Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Shane Bentley, 20 years of career and volunteer experience, a former assistant fire chief in the department northeast of Georgia, creator and founder of the Bears of the Oath Cadre, where their message is simple. They're not out to alienate you, but to make you evaluate yourself and the oath you took when you decided to enter into the fire service, and to make sure you are truly upholding that commitment to the citizens who rely on us on their worst. Shane has a strong religious faith in God and family. All these words that describe Shane, his mission, and the cadre are all true. But when you meet him in person, you will be able to see just how much love, drive, and dedication he has into making the fire service and those who truly care about making it that much better. The conversations we share in this episode are close at heart and should resonate with any individual who truly wants to leave the service better than they found it. With that, I gladly present... Mr. Shane Bentley. Uh, good morning. My name is Shane Bentley. Uh, been in the fire service for 20 years in Northeast Georgia. Um, I appreciate you having me on the podcast, Daniel. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Now, I appreciate you coming on. Um, after we met in Tennessee and just hearing, even before we met physically in Tennessee, just hearing people talk about you and what you've been doing and what you continue to do for the fire service. Uh, I knew I had to have you on, so I do appreciate you taking your time to come on and talk and shop with me. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I enjoy it. I've, fire service has been good to me. Um, I enjoy taking and getting to be a part of it and taking and and always trying to help others and and trying to take and leave it a little bit better than I found it. And this, uh, I've had a lot of people that's done that for me, so um, it's trying to take and do the right thing and give back to it always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Let's jump into question one of how did you get into the fire service? So I was kind of a late bloomer. Uh, so I originally I was born and raised um, in right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, in Gwinnett County. Um, 20, I was at the age of 20, I moved to uh, 21 years old. I moved to northeast Georgia, where I currently live now. And when I moved up here, it's, a, it's still a very rural rural area. The town that I lived in was had a just had a volunteer uh, department. Um, the whole county was volunteer, still is, as a matter of fact. And after uh, meeting some of the guys, after living there for a couple of years, um, I got to being friends with the guys and then started going around. They'd invite me down to the fire department to hang out. Man, it didn't take long. I was hooked. So they asked me to join um, in 2004. Uh, I joined and um, the rest was history, man. I, I think I was on the, I was on as a volunteer for right at two years or a year. And I put in for a paid job about 20 miles North of where we, uh, of where I lived at. And um, I didn't get hired the first time I kept, and I put in the second time and got hired. So uh, that was uh, 2000, the end of 2005 was the beginning of my career my paid career so and i continue to volunteer all the way up through today okay all right uh what was the culture like when you got into that department it, 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 involving the crews and, and the personnel <clears throat> there uh, on the volunteer side sure yeah uh both both actually 
so on the volunteer side, I didn't, man, it was great. They were great people. Um, made, made a lot of friends there. Um, enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good culture. It was a family culture. Um, it was it had a lot of tradition and heritage as well. Um, a, lot, a lot of the way they'd done things when I got on was the way they'd always done things. And I don't mean that to sound cliche, but that was just, you know, I didn't know any other way. And um, as we started, you know, as we started training and learning to actually do the job and going to mod one and, and, you know, firefighter one and all these classes, man, I just kind of got hooked on the training aspect of it and the training side of it. And I wanted to continue doing more training and more training and more training and getting better at the job. Um, and, you know, sometimes on the volunteer side, not everybody's into it as heavy into the training as much as, you know, as everybody else. And, mm-hmm. um, and that transpired also into, into the career side as well. The, where I, where I started out as a paid firefighter, man, it was awesome. My first day on the job, I was met by uh, the captain that I was uh, right when I walked in the door. I didn't know what to expect, and I was met by the captain that is now the chief of the department, and we became lifelong friends as well. And um, but he taught me the ropes, man. It was a he was a he was a fireman's fireman. He was a fireman's officer, and he was the reason. He was the reason on that first day of that impression when I met him of why I wanted to be um, an officer one day. He, that, that first impression, that very first day when I walked in, he was the reason that I wanted to become an officer. And he taught me a lot. And um, some of it was hard, you know. He taught us how to take and do it and to, to do the job right. Right. And so um, I was I got to benefit working under him for several years. And I wouldn't take nothing for it. But Man, all in all, you know, the the cultures were going into it on the volunteer side and going to it on the paid side. Uh, they were great, honestly. Um, it was probably later in my career. Well, I know it was later in my career before I started realizing there were different cultures. Um, as people started retiring, people started moving on, um, people started promoting, things change. And so, and then... Um, I had a I had a certain expectation of what I thought the job you should a firefighter should be, mm-hmm. and the more and more people I got involved with, um, as I grew in the service, you know, and the people you start following, and people that you become friends with that become your mentors, you know, you you want to be like them, and sometimes it creates uh, it creates a culture shock or a culture change when you try to take it back to your department. And I think people that listen to these podcasts and um, there's a lot of similarities with a lot of people on that's on there. Anybody that's trying to do good or do something different and make their department, their shift, their culture better, they're always going to be met with resistance. And that's sad that we do that to each other a lot of times. But we create majority of our own issues and problems within the service. Well, absolutely. We 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 definitely are our own worst enemy when it comes to the fire service and when it comes to adapting to change, wanting change committing to change we do we seem to have that problem for sure where it's and i and i don't know what it is um but i mean yeah I, I i don't know i don't know how to how to word it any better than that is we do a lot of i'm not gonna say a lot of stuff but there's a good majority of things we do to ourselves where if we just stop listen and think before we act i think it could go a long way Absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, 
Um, I don't know if if it's the fire service in general. I, I don't believe it is. I think it's it's with a lot. I'm sure it's with every career or every, you know, every different job. You got those kind of people that are there. That, but it's to me, it's I've always tried to take and I have high expectations. I've always had high expectations out of me, and so growing in the fire service and uh, you know I. I as I promoted and put got put into leadership situations or supervisor situations, or as I just grew, you know, I, not only did I have a high accountability for what I thought, how I thought people should portray themselves, but at the same time, there was a lot of people that you had that high accountability for, and they're looking at you face to face. And, you know, I was, I was very gullible at times. I didn't realize as soon as you, you know, you walk off and it, it, there's, there, you know, there's there's pipe holes being thrown at you, but I think that's probably with every job. Uh-huh. Um, I just didn't do it. I didn't do a very good job of response and handling it. Though, so it took a lot of through a lot of adversity in in the growth of myself in the fire service. I could have handled a lot of situations different. It took up until probably 2017, 18, when we really started moving forward with what's now Bears of the Oath. Um, it took a lot of uh, I call it. Uh, positive manipulation. A lot of people don't like that word, but um, I like the word manipulation because uh, it's. I think it's okay to manipulate people as long as you do it for their best interest and help them grow and become better. And that's what we, you know, and that's all. That's that's what we're about, and that's what we're supposed to be doing, and that's what the citizens think of us. You know, the citizens drive by the fire department every day, and they think that that's that. There's they don't realize that we're just like them. We have our issues and problems too, but a lot of it, majority of it. Even the mental health side of it, and it pisses a lot of people off when I say this, but even the mental health side of it, a lot of it is preventable maintenance. Um, a lot of stuff that we could prevent from doing to each other and how we handle situations inside and outside the department of what uh, of how people respond to it. And, you know, and it, it can change people's life the way you treat them. And that's that's kind of what's big with us is how you treat people. And you don't have to be a fireman to do that and do that the right way. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I definitely agree 100% with your statement on the mental health thing. It's we need to be here for each other, not tearing each other down, not tearing the person down that's trying to change the department for the better, change the culture for the better. Because when you keep denying that person from growing, keeping them stagnant, they either A, fall into complacency, B, go somewhere else where they are, where that thought that concept is accepted or C they just don't care about the job anymore. They're just there for a paycheck. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. There's, I've seen a lot of people um, that and heard a lot of stories and with, I've got to, I've got to travel around a lot of places in the, into uh, different fire departments over the last 10 years. And, you know, what's common is that's funny everywhere I go, they always say, man, is it, is it just us? Or is it like this everywhere? And, and, you know, it really bothers me. That's what me and um, Don Sat were talking about the other day, man. It's everywhere. It's it's we it's the it's common. It's it's what is uncommon is when you get a group of people together that they don't have those same those same things or that same those same gripes or moans or complaints about what's going on or they're you know a lot of times they go places and man they just need to get it off their chest when they're like minded trainings and you know and then you but what you come to find out you close your eyes. And everybody's stories are very similar, and it doesn't matter what department or state it's in. And I and I and I truly believe it's um, 
it's you can make the you can make those things better, but you know, and you you have to take and put forth the effort and get into know people. Most folks are not like not like me. They're not going to just step up and want to be the one to say, "Hey, I want to go first. You know, um, they some people are they're they're timid, they're shy, they're scared, they're afraid they're going to get beat down. And one one bad training class, one bad mishandling, one bad conversation with somebody can take and make or break the difference in somebody's career. And I've seen that happen time after time after time. And that's what, that's what we try. That's what we try to do is to take and it doesn't matter who you are or how old you are, or how long you've been in the fire service. We don't, with bears of the oath, man, we don't take and no, we don't tell nobody. No, if you want to come be a part of it, all we ask is you put in the work to take the classes. If you want to teach, you put in that work and you work under these guys. And when they say you're good to go, I don't question them, you know, and and that, and what we do is we just we hold each other to a high accountability standard and and I think the same thing can be done and I've tried to, and I have done that and and when I was when I was still working for the fire department and it was successful until the wrong person is it's not successful with and then you know and, and it creates adversity so um, but we again back to the whole rabbit hole that I went down it we do it to ourselves in the fire service and. And it's and it's I know it's, it's it's preventable and but it's really boils down to how we treat each other and how well we know each other. Yeah, definitely right. Definitely absolutely right on that. And it's one of those things where you know a lot of gripes because anywhere I go, I ask individuals, and you know it. You always hear most of the complaints are leadership, administration, any position above them. Okay, let's just stop, think, and listen. I think that instead of worrying about what administration is doing, who cares? Worry about right. the four walls within your firehouses. Administration can come down with different rules that you don't like, SOGs, policies, whatever. That's fine. We're not going to agree on everything that they do. But because you don't, because you feel us you feel a certain way about them that shouldn't take the rest of the fire service away from you like you should still have that passion that drive you want to go train you want to run calls you want to give a damn when you're on shift you know that that's a, that's my mindset now because I'm, I'm I'll I'll be totally honest it used to drive me crazy up and down the wall when they'd come up with ridiculous rules or whatnot and at the end of the day I'm like you know what who cares I'll follow it, but I'm not going to let it ruin me. I'm not going to let it keep me down. I'm going to come into work every day. I'm going to enjoy my crew, my station I'm at, wherever I'm assigned at, and I'm going to make the best of it. Because when you let the people above you ruin what you love to do in this career, what's the what's the point? That's right. You're right. And, that's, and I, I think that I, I truly believe that that mentality is is – is strength in, in this, but I, the, the, I think the key to a good officer is every, every fire department sooner or later, if they haven't, they're going to have leadership issues from above. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it changes. You could have the best chief for 10 years and his time comes where it's time for him to retire. And then the next guy that gets in, he might not have been the guy that needed to get in, but somebody thought he was. And 
and, and, and everybody's been in this. There's a lot of folks, I should say, have been in this situation. And if it hasn't happened, more than likely it's going to happen because, you know, I, this is something else. It's the truth. And people just don't like to hear the truth is we're promoting the people that we're promoting into white collar positions today are not. A lot of them are not blue collar people. Absolutely. And, and that is, you know, and and I'm not throwing a nod and trying to offend people. But the truth about it is I've watched the guys sit for years and look at me in the face and tell me, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they get into positions of leadership and of officermanship and they fail horribly because now they're in control and they're, they're, they're yes men. And they like to tell people, yeah, 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 yeah. And the bad thing about it is most of those people are very talented and have knowledge but they're afraid of their own insecurities. And so therefore they rely on the authority that they have to take and be in control. And they're worried about somebody else doing the job better, being better than them. And it creates a spiral downhill and downfall. And then you take the, the, the guy on the bottom that's influenced by the senior guy and the senior guy goes to him and he's fussing and moaning and venting to him about it. And well, now you just created a, a second opinion of somebody that's trusting you. And we're, we're very good at doing that to each other in the fire service. And uh, I think that's a lot of uh, what you do, the way you just put it. If, if our senior officers, our captains, even our battalion chiefs, they don't have to agree with what's being done or what's being said or what's being passed down. But if they take and, if they take and handle it properly with their crew and say, look, guys, this is we got we can't worry about the thing that's out of our control. This is how mm -hmm. we got to do it. We're going to make the best out of it. But that starts at the top, you know. And so you got to take and have people, an officer, a lieutenant, a captain, depending on the size of the department, man. It's I've I've often said that people they don't realize the privilege it is to take and make that first line officer, that lieutenant, or that or to make a captain, shift captain, or battalion chief be responsible for the whole the whole company or the whole department. And that is a privilege, man. And that, that should come with honor and you should be proud of yourself for that, but you should do the absolute best you can. And you should take, and you got to stand up in front of everybody and admit when you fail and that, and, but you also got to have a high accountability. And I think that's a lot of what happens. I've seen happen. It's happened to me. I've had a lot of adversity that I've had to go through. And for me being in those positions and failing, I have to take a minimum of 51% responsibility for it. That means I have to take the ma the majority of the responsibility for my failures every time. And when people see you do that and you admit to them and you say, guys, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. This is what we're going to do to move on forward. I hope that you, I hope you can forgive me, but that's what, that's the integrity side of it. I think that we're lacking in the fire service today, because just like my opinion, just like your opinion, everybody else has got their own opinion too. And some people just totally think what I say is absolutely crazy and I'm a, and I'm an idiot. So, but they're entitled to that. That, you're right. They, they're entitled to it. But the biggest thing is if you're going to be in a, to me, if you're going to be in a leadership position, you need to have integrity. You need to have humility. You need to be able to show that it is okay to fail. And you just need to remember your why of why you got into the fire service, not for the bugles, not for the paycheck, not for the status, not for the power, not because I ride that right front seat. And it's do as I say, whatever I say goes. That is, th those are all the complete opposite reasons why you should promote. But unfortunately and sadly, we have individuals who do get promoted into these positions. And when you have those positive, like-minded firefighters who are now 
going, you know what? We're trying to take our fire departments back. They're not going to stand for that anymore. Right. Yeah. I, 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 leadership and brotherhood are two of the most overabused and overpowered words in the fire service that have so much meaning that has so little value to some. And I, and I, there's been a lot of times I, and I've told somebody, I said, man, and this was just the other day. I said, people that use the word brotherhood, I said, you know what they end up taking and doing? They end up, what they don't realize they end up sacrificing their friendships in times and just in, in discernment. And, and so I, I started, I started saying friendhood instead of brotherhood, you know, because what matters at the end of the day, when me and you retire and we move on, and Danny's not there no more. Shane's not in the fire service no more. Guess what's still going to be there? That fire department's still going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. And your legacy is your legacy is either going to go one or two ways. But they, they're going to say that guy was a good dude. That guy was eat up. Or that guy was a good fireman. Or that guy was a terrible chief. Or he was a great chief. Or he was a great officer. It's only going to go one or two ways, you know. But at the end of the day, when you retire and walk out those doors, that fire department's still going to be there. And all you have is your friends and family and God first, right? And God learned if it wasn't for God over the last year, I've seen some of the, I've seen people that I used to have a huge group of people that I took and was involved with every day, every week. And through some things and adversity that's happened, God has showed me, man, there's a difference between friends and acquaintances. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just the truth. And I it took me a long time to accept that because I didn't want to disappoint anybody right mm-hmm. and i try i try to always treat everybody the same but that's that's also got me an issue got me in with issues and in, in trouble before because not everybody is always going to be for you that's right and it took me a long time and a lot of heartache to realize that but god is my relationship and faith in god through it all is what's got me through it all and also allowed me to take and still stay involved in the fire service where i get to be involved in it now and I'm having a ball. I'm enjoying it, but I still see it all the time. And, and I hate it because it's, you know, once you've seen it or been through it or had personal accounts with it, man, you can see it happening again over and over and over. And you just want to take them to me. I've always wanted to reach out and protect, protect these people. And the only way that I could feel that I could do that was tell them, be honest about my mistakes, what happened, what I've done, what I've done wrong first and the things that I've made mistakes with, so I that hopefully they see that I do care about them and I don't want them to make the same mistakes I do. And I think if we had a lot more in that, that's true servant leadership. That's how I was taught. You know, it's not I didn't make this up. So I was taught this. And I think if we had that true servant leadership more out of our leaders and officers and not cliques, um, because I, I, it pisses, it's another thing that pisses folks off. But it's the truth. We got we got so many entourages and cliques now. Yep. And man, it's not, it ain't, it ain't about that, man. It's about each other and it's about doing it together. And somebody wants to be a part of it, man, if they want to do the work and be a part of it, give them that opportunity because you, if they're wanting to be a part of something you're doing, you've impacted their life and they're looking, they, they're at some point, they're looking to you where they trust you and they want to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Facts. Everything you just said, spitting, you're spitting the, you're spitting the gospel there. It is 100% true. I go by that myself. I have friends and I have acquaintances. I hate I hate that I have to say that, but it's truth because when you try to be nice to everybody and 
something doesn't go their way, you will see those individuals, you will see their true colors, you will see their true intentions. And I have learned, I've been bitten before. So it's like, okay, that's fine. As I get older, I get smarter and I start watching people and I just know who and who I know who and who I can't count on in my life. And that's that's very profound. That's big. And I'm sure there's others out there who know exactly what I mean, because there are individuals out there who are only in it for themselves. They will use you up until they don't need you anymore. And then when they don't need you, you're nothing to them. And you're just left there. She's my French holding the shit in the bag like, oh, OK, I, I see. I got it. I learned from it. That's why I am the way I am today. Individuals who know me know my demeanor. You know my facial expressions. There are clicks everywhere you go. And you, you could definitely see that. You see that when you when you do a multi-company drill, who uh, who attracts to who, who goes where and who's away and who's not. So I am totally okay being the lone ranger, if you want to call it, that it, it doesn't bother me. Because I know who I am and I know I will never sell my soul to be in a certain position or to hold a certain rank. Because if I know I have to do this, which isn't the right way to get to that path, then I'll just stay where I'm at. And that, that that's just me talking for myself. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that usually comes, those, those emotions and those feelings usually come for somebody that's been through some adversity like that. And you see it too, you know, and that's the thing about it. And, I, you know, I, to me right now, the fire service has come so far since where, and, and I don't mean that, that it was terrible when I got in the fire service because it wouldn't, man, that fire service absolutely consumed me. I've, I've been a terrible, I've been a terrible father. I've been a terrible husband. I've been a terrible Christian. I've been a terrible everything because my mistress has been the fire service for so many years and it, it took a lot of hurt and adversity to where I finally started realizing what I was actually sacrificing all the time. I could never be the guy that could just go to work, do my job and just, just punch in and sit there and wait for something to happen. I never could be that guy, but I did have to learn to take in who I could trust, mm -hmm. who I could take in, but they all, but everybody had to always know how I felt too. And my family has paid a dear, dear price for my involvement in, in my fire service career. And, um, but, you know, and that's, and that's kind of where, how we got to bears of the oath was my wife. She just, you know, it, I was putting everything first and foremost before my, before God and my family. And, you know, and so I said, man, how am I going to continue to get to do this? And then I, you got to meet a lot of the guys that I get to do this with, man. And there's, a, there's half as many more of them. And, you know, I, we, we just started trying to make it and create it a family environment, but we, you know, we, how we treat people. And that's what I tell people all the time. I know that what the training that we do is pretty good training and, these guys are vested in that and they know what they're talking about, but that's only half of it. What makes, we're not better than anybody else. It's just how we treat, it's how we treat every student that comes there. We're not going to treat anybody no different than we treat each other. And, you know, and I wish the fire service in general would do that, but I think people are so standoffish and afraid to one invest. Hey, I'm going to do the same for him over here as I am for, her or for him or for her either way and but yet 
they always leave out the sense of accountability. Look, this is this is what we're responsible for, okay? And this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And we can either do it collectively as a company, or we're going to take in – because I don't want to be the guy that's taking making all decisions and not letting them, my crew have part of that integrity of that. So, you know, there's – but people don't realize – that what adversity and heartbreak does to a fire, a fire family inside the department and outside the department. Some folks aren't as mentally strong as I am to be able to recover through certain adversities that I've been through. It absolutely can take and ruin a person and, and cause problems at home. And that's kind of now where we're, you know, what we're really focusing on is making sure that we're not only being there for each other when bad times happen, but not forgetting about these people either. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I, it's just crazy how it's this, all of my mistakes is what I've tried to make better about everything we do with bears. And I, and, and it's, and I'm pretty open with everybody an open book about the mistakes that I've made. Um, and I've, there's been a lot of heartbreaking. I've had to learn to forgive and forget. And it's some days it's tougher than others. Um, but you know, as I, I wake up every day and I ask God what his will is for my life, and what he wants me to do today and how I can take and continue taking and being put in a position to help others. And I don't want everybody to be like me. I just wish people would take and look at, look at people with a, you know, with, and not turn their head to them. And I, because you don't realize what you do to somebody when you turn your head upon them and, and when you walk off and they don't feel included and not everybody's going to fit in, but you got to take in it. You got to make a valid effort at taking and making them part of the company and, that's where the demise of the fire service is right now. My I'm a part of it, in my opinion. Okay. I agree. hundred percent agree. Um, how big does your faith play a role with your family <clears throat> and then your fire life? Uh, it play every bit. It, it's, it's 100%. It plays a role. Let me see how I'm trying to figure out the best for me. It, it's the biggest role. Um, it's that, the absolute biggest role. And it hadn't always been that way, Danny. It's, um, I failed tremendously, um, as a father, as a husband, as a, like I said, as a Christian. Um, but because of the adversities that I've gone through, what it's done in times of, and, you know, of hurt and worry, you know, I had my, I had God in my family at times. That's in, and which I've always had, but I never took and prioritized that correctly. So my faith in my faith in God now is, in my relationship with God is what's got me through the adversities and what's made my marriage better is what's made me a better father. My prioritizations now are God, family, friends, fire, and anything else after that, you know, mm -hmm. um, where it used to be fire, 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 maybe family. If I could squeeze that in, even though I, I tried to make it appear that that was the foremost object, which it wasn't. And then God, you know, if there ever could have been a part-time Christian, I was one of them. And, um, but what was, it's what I tell people too, man, is anytime I ever needed something before times got rough or times got bad, I could pray. I would pray and God would always answer my prayers. But when things got bad, mistakes happened, life changed, adversities came, man, I would guess what? I went to pray in heavily. And guess what? That's when I really started learning that it was on God's time, not my time. And I had to take and learn patience. And I also had to take and learn that that would come with the investment of my relationship and my faith in Jesus Christ, which has gotten me to where I am today. And what makes it even better for me is when I'm able to tell people, because I struggled. I was on a struggle boat for a long time. I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get through it. And it got to a point where I was in a really dark spot. 
and I was portraying to everybody else that I wasn't, but I was in bad shape. And it like cost me my marriage, like cost me, you know, my kids. And, you know, and I, so I can honestly tell you and strong heartedly, 100% faithfully that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, God almighty himself pulling me out of them, out of them, out of them holes I was in, I would not be where I'm at today. And I, and I, and when I tell people that I have to be honest with them because I want them to know how bad it was for me. And I want them to know it's not always going to be that bad, but you got to be in the right place with God. All right. Very well stated. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Um, because like you stated before, the fire service can be a, it, no, it's not a can. If you want to, if you love this job and you love it wholeheartedly and want to be good at it, it can consume you and keep you away from the things that are important. Not saying that the fire service isn't important because it is important that you need to learn the role of your job, but you can't put it before your family and anything else that actually matters. You have to be able to balance it, set some times where, okay, this day, this time I'm doing this. And then after that, I have to put, whether you're married, you have a girlfriend, spouse, whatever the case may be, you have to put others first because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a take it back to in the beginning. You said, after you leave, those fire trucks, that fire department will always be there. But what's sad is we have individuals who gave it, who gave their whole life to the fire service. And after they retire, they walk into an empty home, an empty apartment with nobody there, just boxes, nobody to say, hey, congratulations. Now what? Because you can't do this job forever. We're on borrowed time. So you need to make sure your priorities are in line with your life. I agree. 100%. I agree. Yes. Um, uh, I could have easily been, and I've seen it happen with a lot of guys too, that I came up under that, um, that, that worked 30 years plus in the fire service. And then once it was, once they walked away or when, whether they were forced out or whether they retired on their own, there was a high number of those guys I seen that took and they fell off the face of the earth health went away passed away drank themselves away because the only thing they knew from the time they turned 18 when they took that job at the fire department to 40 years 30 40 years later is their only identity was the fire service and guess what when those same people that you see every third day or monday through friday are not there anymore you it's it, it it can create a dark space for you and i've seen that happen to a lot of people and man i didn't realize you know that and i sit and i think now today that could have easily been me i you know i'm afraid of because if if, if i would have kept going the way i was going i you know and and, and went on and went on and went on and went on man it, 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 it my the only thing i would have known is i would have probably been a single man with a lot of child support because i got a lot of kids <laughs> and <laughs> and my wife you know, I would have I would have lost my relationship with my wife, but I still balance in the fire service is man. You got some guys that that do a great job at it. I was I did a terrible job at it for a long time, um, and so now and that's why a lot of people ask too. You know, what's going on with bears? What when there's when's there going to be a next bears of the oath? It's not that there's not going to be any more bears of the oath. It's just when time is right because it takes for it to be for bears of the oath to be as successful as it's been and for those four and five day conferences to work correctly, 
you got to have all of those guys there. And when you got to have all of those guys there to make it happen, because it's not only the hands-on training, it's how it's the impact they have on all of those students, how they treat you. And, but it takes a lot of money to do. And when we're a nonprofit, so um, any money that's left over always goes to somebody that needs it. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot to take 30 guys away from their families for a week. I used to never even blink an eye at that. Well, now I, I take that into consideration before we do things. And that's why we've stepped back to doing a lot of two and uh, two and three day hands-on classes uh, at for departments versus these big conferences. Um, because it just takes so much away from their families. And man, I, I, I don't want them to, I don't ever want to be, responsible for putting these guys in position to be away from their family more longer than they have to. You know what I mean? So that's why we tried to create it a family environment. You've seen in Tennessee, um, it worked out to where a lot of our families were able to come with us, you know? Yeah. And that's what we've always tried to do is almost create, like you got, I know you got a young, you got a young child, but there's going to come a time. It doesn't matter. It's a little girl, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to come a time where she might dance softball, soccer. It don't matter what it is. Guess who's going to be there to support her and root her on mom and dad right. right and so that's what we tried to create back in 2020 when we started doing these big conferences we've done three bears of the oath conferences within 13 months it was it was man it was a lot but it was also during a rough time where there wasn't a lot of people doing anything because of uh the pandemic mm -hmm. and but now there's conferences and there's trainings every weekend somewhere and i think that's great so um I don't, you know, I don't, we like to go train too. We like to go be a part of those other trainings and conferences and do things. So, you know, we, we try to, we're planning stuff, but it's, it's not going to be as, 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 as often as it used to be. Um, but it's not that we're not doing it anymore. It's just, we're taking kind of letting things uh, kind of fall into place. And when God puts us in the right place to do it, because there is some things that we're working on that um, we're going to do next year. That's going to be a little different. And, but it's going to, it's going to, it's going to have the same results and even better results. But it's, you know, it's, that is a big part of it. Cause when you're, when you're a, a pipe swinger, you're a, you're a pipe hitter. You're one of these dudes that loves to go to training. So you work, you work every third day and then you find a swap and then you go to a conference for two or three days. Well, and your family, most of the time people's families can't travel with them. So, you're gone for four, five, six days or three or four days. Then you got to pay a swap back. I'm going to tell you, and I did it. I was a terror. And, I'm, and anybody listening, if you take anything from this podcast, I'm going to tell you I was terrible. I was horrible at that. I took and put everything before my, my kids. It's not that I didn't love my kids. It's not that I didn't want to be there for my kids. But anytime I could take and go somewhere or swap to go train, man, I didn't think. For the longest time, I didn't consider that. And I'm not the only one. But it – I'm lucky my wife didn't take and shad shad of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now we we try to take and make create those environments to take to where, man, if Danny wants to bring his wife and his little girl with him, we try we try to create those environments at places where we train to where we can make it a family environment too, to where we can take the, your your wife and your little girl can come take and hang out down on the training field during the day and watch how what you're doing there, how hard you're working to train to get better. And then in between evolutions, you can sit there and spend time with your family, you know, and um, and there's a lot of people doing that now. But that was that was one of the big things that we really started pushing in 2020 
was trying to create that family environment at these training conferences to where they could travel. And, it, and a lot of that requires uh, doing it at the right place at the right time. And sometimes it's just hard to do that. It's, it, we didn't intend for, I didn't, I never thought it would be as big as it did, to be honest with you. Well, it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely taken off and you definitely have done a hell of a job with the, with the, with your cadre, the people that you, that you sign up to try to figure out the best way to say this. The, the people that you have on your cadre, I'm not sure if it's just you, but you, you have definitely done a hell of a job having the right individuals in the right places, because I can attest to, um, and you had to be the one to tell me his name because I forgot with so many people I met in Tennessee, Mr. Jason Painter, that man yeah. helped me. And I put it on my social media and if and not everybody follows social media or has it, but I, I'll tell you, because one thing I like with me evolving into the adult that I am today, I have humility and I had a huge training scar with the entanglement box. The way I was taught, it was probably the worst way you could teach any new individual. They just throw you into the wolves. They tell you your your flashlight, your box light, everything's dead, nothing's working, just get through it. And I had a training scar. I remembered it from when I started. So when I saw the entanglement box that morning, it sparked back those issues. And Jason sat me down. I explained to him what happened. Number one, he apologized for what happened. And he didn't have to because he wasn't there like at, at that time when I was being taught. But the fact that he listened to my story, acknowledged it, apologized, and then said, forget that. This is how we're going to do it now. However, you need to get through that box, you do it. And after I did it, he was like, let's do it again and do it again and do it again. Like that right there shows the type of individuals you have in your cadre that will take the time to listen to you and correct a training scar to make it better going forward. Yeah, you're right. That, that's just a, what you just said is a 100% attestant to those guys. And every one of those guys, they're my friends. And they, they used to – there was a, a uh, like a quotation that went around for a long time a few years ago. It said, Shane, how do you get all these guys to show up and come do this? My answer, Shane, they're my friends, you know. And everybody would say – Everybody will say, so that's just it. They're your friends. No, they're not only my friends. They're my friends, my family. And these are the guys that have mentored me and trusted me to allow to take and do this with me. And those, the back of that shirt, that the code of honor, that bears the oath code of honor, every one of them is a personal failure of mine. Um, I just took it, took and put it in fire service terminology because in a very selfish manner and people say well, that's selfish i'm like yeah selfish i'm gonna tell you why because i knew that people would wear it and that every time i seen it guess what it would do it would be the most humbling feeling in the world to hold me accountable or it would be that square kicked off right in the balls that i needed because i was because i wasn't holding myself accountable to holding up to what i was supposed to be doing and you know and that was the selfish reason i did that and but all of those guys they're, they're it's one big group of best friends, man. We travel together. We teach together. Whenever one of us have a class we're doing together, we're all there together. It doesn't matter the cadre name or bears of the oath. It's just we like to train and we like to do it with each other and we like to help others. And, um, man, that's – and they're just – I wanted to be just like them. I wanted to be 
exactly like them, and I wanted to take and be able to do what they did. And I, I ran around behind a lot of those guys for a long time, and I never would have imagined that we'd be getting to do something like this all together. But we do. But we were doing it long before it had a, a trade name with mm-hmm. it, you know. And so um, that's what a lot of people don't know, man. We didn't just start doing this in 2020. We've all been doing it together or in some sort of form or fashion for years. And um, a lot of us have been doing it together for years. And it just kind of, you know, it's and, – and, you know, and it's just like everything else we said. I'm sure everybody's seen the picture that Paul Cones has on the Internet right now that he – Oh, uh, the yeah. One where it's, uh, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of people that can take and relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. And But I can honestly say none of these guys within that immediate core group right there, they've, they've never – that's what I was so proud of last night. I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I know that feeling. But at the same time, I'm sitting there thinking, man, these guys that I get to take and do this with, and we're in these group messages together, and we talk to each other every day and have for years. You know, we haven't done that. We disagree. When we disagree, we put gear on and we go out there and figure it out. You know, we usually disagree about how realistic and live we're going to make it. So, <laughs> but, but no, nah, man, you're, you, I appreciate you saying that about Jason because he's one of, he's one of many and he's one of the purest, he's one of the purest guys you'll ever meet and him and his brother and all those guys, man. And they, uh, they get, you know, for them, the compliments go to them because they're the ones that take and make it what it is. I just get to be a part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, from from Jason to during our our last evolution, um, and I, I I'll tell you that that last evolution we had that day, man, that was I have in all my training experiences, I have never been a part of an evolution that lasted that long. I'm pretty sure that evolution lasted like 35 or 36 minutes, and people were getting riled up, uh, emotions were getting high. People were getting angry, but at the end of the day, we sat down, we talked about it, we learned what we learned from our failures, and you know we were still friends and brothers at, at the end of that. Because I remember, uh, I think it was Robbie Townsend, uh, m- one of my guys was still vibing, and he was trying to explain something, and I kind of lightly tapped him on the shoulder, like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, uh, my guy's getting ready to run out of air." he needs to get out. And he was like, hold on. He said it with a stern voice. Like you could tell it's not, it's not that he was mad at me, but he was mad at the situation that we were in and he wanted us to resolve it. So yeah, emotions get high there, but it's all for the right reasons. It's, it's to learn how to do this job better. Yeah, it is. And there, and we've, we've caught a lot of criticism over the years about how aggressive and how difficult we make our scenarios but you got to remember why we were there that weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost a very close friend, somebody that I thought highly and dearly of that was going to make our organization better and had made our organization better and was beginning the processes of coming and helping and teaching with us. But not only that, he became a really good friend. And, you know, and but to know, and without going into a great bunch of detail and creating discussion about it on outside of this, there's a lot of things that went wrong that day that, that he perished, right? And there's a lot right. of people that got hurt. Right. And that 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 just does not happen in basic training evolutions that we do at the station or just basic gear workouts or just taking and pulling ladders off and throwing. That's what we should be able to do consistently every day. That's our responsibility. That's what we owe the citizens. But when it goes bad and things start happening, 
that spiral downhill really quick when our heart rate's over 150 beats a minute and our mental status is diminishing very quickly. And we have, and we have somebody depending on us to take and, and, and make sure they survive or do everything we can do to survive ourselves. You can't do that by just going and pulling a ladder or stretching a line. You have to create those situations. And we don't set those situations up and say, aha, this is going to kick their butts. Right. No, we do those. And we, this is not, not, there's nothing that we put our students through that we can't do and we don't do together. And, um, but it's the mental, man, the, that cognitive training, when your heart rate gets up over in the red, in the, over 150 beats per minute and it gets up in the red, man, if you don't have cognitive training, stored in your brain guess what's going to happen you're going to fail and we and it doesn't matter how many years you have how good you are how many writ classes you've taken i hate the word writ to begin with i think it's just like leadership and brotherhood that's a three-letter word that's overused over abused it should be it's always forgotten until it happens and it should be included in first due tactics i don't care if it's a two-man engine or a four-man engine in a big truck company i don't care it should be included and trained in first due tactics and but it's out of sight out of mind for a lot of departments and mm -hmm. they don't train in the situations and it's not it, it takes literally very little investment to create props to be able to take and do this and find your limitations but if you don't do that to yourself if you don't put yourself mentally in those places physically in those places how are you ever gonna know if you can do it right sure. and right. so but there's been a lot of people that criticize our level of live fire that we put in there that when we do have live fire training how in how how in depth these these uh, survival classes are, our search and rescue classes, and the but the, what most people don't realize is everything is built around the small minimal staffed engine company. Everything that we do, we, every class we built was built in mind with two two man engines because that's where I came from. Okay, and so but we it doesn't matter your years of experience, how good you are, if you're a, it doesn't matter what affiliation, what rocker you got. You, if you if you don't continue your training and what you and you've seen what happens, it doesn't matter who it is. Guess what? We've made every, we put everybody on a level of vulnerability that day. It didn't matter how good or how long you've been on. Y'all were all equal. And Absolutely. we didn't treat you no different than one of the others. So and there was guys in that class that were studs, you know, that had been through that class before. And every time they go through it, they get their butts handed to them. And but that's why they keep coming back. But there but it's also it, if it increases our 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 success. And, and chances of rescuing our own by 1%, then we need to do it at least once a month. Because if you can do it once a month, then guess what? That's 12%. You just increased your tactics and knowledge on making sure that you can survive or you can help your brother or sister survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I will probably say there are, I would say it's safe to say there are a lot of departments that out there that aren't doing that level extent of training because they, there is a difference between just throwing some or stretching some hose, throwing some ladders, doing a quick writ search, uh, finding packaging down the patient. But when you add, and, 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 and here's the thing about that training too. It even, it wasn't even under live fire conditions, but that damn building held some heat in from, from the, cause it was hot when we went and that was probably one of the most realistic training evolutions I have ever been a part of because at one point my heart rate did jack up. And I remember you tapped, you, you were behind me. I didn't know, but I heard your voice and you were like, Hey, take a breath, calm down because there was a little bit of uh 
that there was a, a a lack of movement, a lack of momentum trying to get the 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 patient out. And yeah, you have to kind of put me in check, like, hey, get your breathing under control. Because that happens to a lot of us. If you've never been in that situation where you need to get out, it's getting hot, you're getting tired, all that's going to start affecting your mind and you're not going to be able to think correctly. And so your heart rate's going to get jacked up. You're going to breathe down that cylinder a lot faster. So I will attest 100% that that class was hands down one of the best decisions I, I ever made by going down there and taking it. Man, I appreciate that a lot. Um, you know, and it's and to do what we've done, you guys, every student, everybody that was involved to take and, and to put something that that successful together in like, I don't know, four or five weeks, you know, it was very, and it was highly emotional for me. Um, and to take and be a part of it, to be able to take and do that and to take for all of the students, I think we had 11 states there, if I'm not, it's nine or 11. And um, to show up, man, that's the fire service that I wish that that's the fire service that I'm so proud of that I wish everybody would invest just once, just once going to taking and seeing that and being a part of something like that, just to see what you're missing out on, man. It's, 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 it's just, it's all about the training. Sure. But you don't realize the lifelong relationships that are built and friendships that are built. And guess what? I guarantee you, as you continue going to that style and caliber of trainings, you're going to start seeing familiar faces. And guess what? Then you start talking about their kids. You heard me. I asked, I, I I don't walk past somebody without talking to them. I want to know what their favorite color is. I want to know their mm-hmm. name. I want to know where they're from because I, I want it to be personal to them. I want them to know that I care because, and, and, and you're not going to work or trust. You're not going to trust me or work as hard as you did unless you know that I truly care about you. And, and that's what you get out of all of those guys, man. And that's, I appreciate your, your, your kind words because that's what, that's an testament to them. And um, there's a lot of good guys out there that do the same stuff we do. Right. And um, it's, and uh, we try to take and attend stuff too. And, and as students a lot. And, but it's, you know, it's, I'm just proud to get to be a part of this part of the fire service too. I've been a part, I've got the fire service has been very good to me. I have mismanaged a lot of my career due to my own arrogance and impatience. And it's then it took the first three quarters of my career to get to where I'm at now. And now I get to take and go around. I work for a company that I get to go around and help them grow and sell equipment. And we train all the time. We get to train, do training as well. So I got, I got the best of both worlds. I don't have to do with the political bullshit no more. And I, I, that's big because the, the fire service, unfortunately, is turning in mo- in some places, not all, a, a lot of political BS, a lot of jurisdictional crap. And it seems like we, we, we forget, we forget why we're here. We're here for the people that we told, Hey, close your door at night. We will be there to get you if something happens. But instead we're pushing stupid agendas where we're putting, uh, paperwork over actual, um, street world experiences where bitching at each other we're not there for each other we say that some say that they are but they're not and yeah we we've i'm not gonna say all but there's certain parts in this country where we have lost our way while there are other departments that know why they're here and remember why they're here 
Um, so it is it is good to hear that you no longer have to deal with that. Yeah, and but then don't get it's I do miss, you know, I miss a lot a lot of the parts of the job. I miss being on shift. I miss being there with the guys. Um and you know, I can't say whether it's that part of it's done and over for me. I don't know. That's just in God's plan for me, whatever it'll be, it'll be. But um man, to take and know that every time the friendships and the relationships and the mentors that I've that I've been a benefactor of having because of the fire service. Uh, that's that's what I want people to realize and know about the fire service, man. Yeah, there's problems, but you take fire and department off of it, it's life. It's just like everything else, and it's how we deal with it. And unfortunately, we create a platform for everybody to say how they feel or what they feel. And you know, a lot of folks don't have that hard work mentality anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and. You blame they blame the new generations, the younger generations for coming in. Well, let me explain something to you. When kids have kids and they don't stick around and raise them up, they have nobody to teach them how to do anything. So you should consider it an honor when somebody comes to the fire department, comes and knocks on your door and wants to be a part of it because that ain't happening no more. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, you should hug their neck and you should teach them everything they can. I don't care the old cliche bull crap. I don't care if they can uh, if they can start a chainsaw, man, just welcome them in and take that opportunity to take and pour into them and teach them everything that somebody else didn't stick around to do for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Couldn't have said it any better than that. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I will say if you plan on taking any upcoming classes that Shane puts on, you need to take this job seriously because I can attest that if you're one of those who likes to sit in the recliners, not really train much, if you ever do decide to attend like a rid or, a rid or die class, it will kick your ass. This is why physical fitness is important. Training is important. Knowing your equipment that you use is important because this is not a game. And the reason why we were there, like you we stated, we were there for Mr. Jamichael Muller, we were there because he loved the job and he did everything right. And unfortunately, he's one of those examples that shows even if you do everything right, this job can still take you away from this world. This is not a game. We don't need people here for just T-shirts, badges, discounts. Oh, yeah, I'm farming stickers on your trucker car. We need people here that actually give a damn about doing this job and doing it well. That's right. That's uh, well said, man. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's so many, it's, there's so much good stuff in fire service and it gets so overshadowed a lot by adversity and bad decisions and people. But listen, man, everybody makes mistakes. Just because somebody makes a mistake does not, that doesn't mean, that that is that is the degradation for their future. You know what I mean? That's so when somebody makes a mistake, we sit there and say for them, for the citizens, and and and, and it absolutely should be. But what about us? We can't go be good at rescuing others if we can't rescue ourselves. Mm-hmm. So quit walking by each other. I don't give a damn if you're not best friends. I don't care. But if when you you everybody there should have a sense of responsibility for 24 hours. I don't care how different you are. I don't care what your culture is, where you're from, or your religion. Because guess what? When we put it, when we put that 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 badge of honor on, that turnout gear, kids ride by down the road, 
and see us car motor vehicle accidents on the side of the road and they're looking at you because they see you in that helmet and that gear man you're making the difference you're going to, somebody's going to grow up and want to do that because they've seen that as a kid but you got to take the responsibility within your own department and take and know and care about the people that are in it and it doesn't matter how different they are it's, uh, you know I, I really love hitting what people are uncomfortable talking about in the face and this I was listening to a guy talk the other day and he's racism, this racism, that. And I said, Hey man, I said, you know how you, you in racism? He said, how's that? I said, quit talking about it. Exactly. Fucking a finally, somebody has said it. I have said that all along. That's what, if you freaking watch the news, it's always their little catchy headlines of white male, black male, Hispanic male, who gives a shit. If it's a male, it's a male. If it's a female, it's a female. I'm tired of these fire departments trying to put uh, ethnicity on a pedestal. Here's a newsflash. Most firemen do not care if you're male, female, black, white, red, yellow, green. As long as you can do the damn job, that's all we care about. I hate, and I, I know you're not supposed to use that word, but I hate whenever they're looking for a specific ethnicity to fill Avoid. We're passing up on good individuals who can be a damn good fireman, but you're not hiring them because they're not meeting the quota that you're looking for. And this is coming from a Haitian American. I am a Haitian American male. The fire service is predominantly white. It has always been historically. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Stop trying to fucking fit an agenda to hire people who aren't there to do the job. Like that is one thing that gets on my damn nerves so bad. And like you said, we're instead of it's like, we're it's like media outlets are trying to bait people against each other. But if we stop talking about it, then it wouldn't be a damn issue. Man, the best thing I did for myself is started distancing myself from social media. And I start watching the news and watching TV. The only thing that I, I watch now is Braves, the baseball. Um, you know, if we're somewhere with a group of people, sure, I'll watch. But I don't partake in the news. I don't care. And it doesn't matter which one left or right. I don't care. I just don't. I, uh, none of it. It's a different. It's just a different culture and society there. And I don't want to take and be influenced by it because the majority always will influence somebody if they if they're if they're the minority so long and i mean that when i say that i, I mean you got five guys within the firehouse and you got one really good guy that's standing his ground well if he has to stand his ground by himself for long they're gonna if they keep beating and beating on him guess what he's eventually gonna take and lose his his stand of his ground because he gets tired of fighting by himself right we don't have to fight by ourselves it doesn't matter it's it's the job is the job and you know that's what i told that same guy he said well, what do you mean quit talking about it? i said well then just close your eyes I said, start having conversation with closed eyes. I said, watch how your opinion of people changes then. You actually start listening to what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, you know, that's just, you know, but that's uh, that's the purest part of, you know, what we get to do. We get to take and talk and express our opinions. And I don't, I, I enjoy asking people why when they, when they have a different opinion of me than I do, I, I enjoy asking them why. And sometimes they take offense to that. And I don't mean no offense to it. What I mean is I want to know why you feel the way you do, because somebody probably influenced you at some point in your life to feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want to know 
And I want kids, I want to ask, and I want to ask why, because I want to have an understanding of why you feel the way you do. Because if I take that opportunity, then you take and trust in me to tell me that. And it's not an offensive answer or question. Now we're opening the door to building a relationship right there. Now we're taking and making progress. And that's, and that's so simple to do. That's just how, but it's, it, it, not everybody sees it that way. And I'll be honest with you. I got, I can't sit here and tell you this without telling you that I haven't always been this way. It's, you know, I've had people that's taken and that's shown me and talked to me and explained to me and, and it's taken me a long time to learn and become the person that I am. But I truly believe the things that I say and do now are for the right reasons. And, and I make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes, but I don't, I try not to take and see any, any vision of color, any vision of race, race, nationality. Cause when it comes to the fire service, man, guess what? Everybody wears turnout gear with a hanging name tag and an air pack on it. When it's time to go to work, I don't care anything else about that, that we can take and do our job together. That's right. That's right. Man, I mean, I'm telling you, we would go so far if if we were to stop all this nonsense of of what 2023 is. It's just it's it's ridiculous. Like I said, we're here right. to do a job. We I don't I don't care if you're a female. That's awesome. I want you to be the a badass female that's got my back. That's all I care about. But we you know whenever there, there's always certain parts of of uh, of an agenda. There's always an agenda, something behind it. Instead of let's just worry about keeping this job what it is, blue collar. It's a blue collar job. It's going to be dirty, hot, sweaty. The word I used for you when we were in Tennessee, grit. That's what you have to have. You need grit because this job, you can't just just hit the pause button when you're inside of a fire searching around trying to find a victim or trying to find your way out. You need to be able to know how to do this job. So, yeah. Sorry, and, that, and that's all I ask. That's all I ask is that when they come, I don't expect them to know. We're just we just want to show you ways and, and techniques to be able to be better at doing the job. But to show you, but we try to put the reality and the realism of how how dirty and aggressive it can be, and 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 and, and traumatic it can be too. But you can't leave the traumatic side untalked about. That's why we go out and we spend the time talking about the things that we do after these drills to make sure. Everybody's on the same track and understanding because the last thing we, man, we've never had anybody leave, quit or leave. Mm -hmm. And that's over, I think it's over 17, 1800 students. I know it's over 17, but we've never had anybody quit. And I don't want anybody to ever quit. Um, we might have to take and reset and repause and take and, you know, manipulate their mindset for a little bit to, to, to help them get through it. Right. But we don't want nobody to quit. And so, we make sure that when everybody leaves, they are 100% certain in what we're asking them to do and what we're asking them to go back and do. And to make and they and they can't be certain unless we give them every bit of what we've got while they're there. Facts. Facts on that. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a couple questions. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think, what's one thing the American Fire Service can improve on? Uh, I think we discussed a good bit of that. Uh, I mean, we, you know, everybody's good at training or, or some are better at training than others, whether it's department or individually. Um, I think we can do better at our relationships, caring about, truly caring about one another. There's some, there's some really good people in there, but there's a lot of the fire service that is either brand new to it or been in it for 20 years. And I went into a fire department a few years ago where I worked at 
And when I got there, they didn't even know nothing about each other. They didn't, they just operated together and then got off shift. And so I think the relationships, history and tradition, um, teaching history and tradition, history is not being taught in these recruit classes, rookie classes, whatever you want to call them, basic classes in the American fire service no more. So where we come from to where we are today is important and making sure that the, 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 the fire, the generation of fire service is coming up today, as well as the generation of fire service that's involved today, understands where we come from and understands how important developing relationships and trust with each other depends on our success. That's what I, that's what I really, that's what I, that's what I think could be better. I have to agree with you. History. I mean, it's where we came from. History starts it all. They, you can't have a you can't have a future without talking about the history. And sometimes the history is, is, is going to be ugly. It's not always going to be pretty. But as we evolve, we should be able to learn from our mistakes up until the future. So for future generations now, meaning the current generation that's going into the fire service, will never have to repeat that or see the ugliness of that history. If there was one, like I said, it all depends on the the topic. So. I have to agree with you 100% on that. Um, yeah, and that right there, the, you you nailed it right there. And this is what this is usually what determines and what changes the outcome and the and what people think of each other. If you make a mistake one time and don't do anything about it and you make that same mistake again, that's not a mistake the second time. That's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. When you see that happening and when you see somebody you work with, know you care about, a loved one, when they're doing that, if you stand by and watch that happen and let them make that same mistake again without trying to take and counsel them or help them get through that without making the same mistake twice, you're you're making a mistake in what they're depending on you for. They need you. That's what we're that's what God that's what God requires of us to help others and to care about others. People are gonna make mistakes. But don't take and just because they make a mistake, don't hold it against them the rest of their life. That doesn't dictate the, everybody's future. That's right. That's right. Everybody deserves second chances. Everybody. And That's yes, right. I 100% agree with you. 100%. And I mean, I, I go back to, and he's very open about it. I, I listened to Kevin Fluger's story of how he got started. You know, you can't, don't judge a book by its cover because, and, and that's that's why, uh, I don't want, that's why I look at, life and I look at things a certain way because I can't I can say I had I know I have been judged but I have been judged by a cover from from certain individuals other individuals and, and it's life it's it's life expectancies it's living in the south I live in the south I I'm very open to admit that I'm from New York but I came down to North Carolina and you see how you see how people look at you differently up until when they get to know you or they find out what you do and then you kind of see a shift in, 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 in people's, uh, vibes. And I'm very yeah. good at, at, at like looking at people's vibes. And then when they find out what you do or who you are, you, you can see the change in them. So yes, if that, we need to get better at, at accepting each other and trying to make this job the best that we can, because you can gripe about it all day long. You could bitch moan and complain, but at the end of the day, what are you doing to affect change because it's very easy to you want to set up an, uh, a meeting with the chief of the department and you go okay this is problems a through z but at the end of the day 
why don't if you have problems A through Z, also give him here, Chief, here are a couple solutions where we can make this, where we can fix this or 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 make a change instead of just griping about it. Right. No, you're right. And that's and ultimately the the biggest the biggest failure in the fire service, which my my opinion, this one word is what results every other downside or the downhill spiral is communication. It's always communication. It's always communication and ego. Ego. That's big. We need to, yeah, we definitely need to work on ego because I mean, it's okay to have ego. It, it is. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good competition. If the fire service thrives on competition, but there's some people who need to have their ego checked at the door in order to realize that you don't know it all. You can't know it all. And the only way to get good at this job is to have humility and showing that it's okay to fail when you're on training. Cause that's where you want to fail. And I've said that time and time again. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's what prevents a lot of people from coming to trainings outside of what they're normally used to is they're afraid to fail. And mm-hmm. what comes with that is the insecurity of how they treat or talk. Uh, because when the issue of people coming to training is they're scared of how they're going to be treated and talked to. And we, we take that element out of that. That's not going to happen. There might be raised voices to get everybody to take and slow down and come together. But it's uh, you're never going to be belittled or degraded by any of us. And then we need that because that creates trust and security mm-hmm. and gets rid of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can, and I can attest to that. Everybody's there to learn. If you fail, fail there. They will, the, the whole uh, crawl, walk, run method. That's instructed there. Nobody's there to make fun of you. Everybody's there to learn. So I know I can 100% attest to that. Um, but um, Shane, it's been, it's been really good, man. <laughs> A lot of things needed to be said today and uh you, you you hit the you hit the the nail on the head on so many different points of views in the fire service so many different topics i appreciate you i appreciate the fact that i was able to meet you uh up until we talked before tennessee i've always heard your name and i remember when you sent me a message with a picture of my blue collar hat on and i told my wife i'm like i'm actually talking to shane bentley and she's like who's that and i'm like he's to me you, I was like, he's he's one of the guys I want to be like, and wow, so I, I appreciate the fact that. And you're right when you 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 text me and you're like, hey, when I see you in Tennessee, I'm gonna put my arm around you and give you a big hug around your neck, and and, and you did, and you accepted me, not knowing me from Adam, just seeing my profile, what I'm trying to do. I appreciate you, Shane. I appreciate what your cadre is doing. Um, many of them. Will I, I will be reaching out to very shortly for uh, the next season um, that I, I was able to meet down there. And I just want to say thank you for everything that, that you continue to do for the fire service, Shane. We really, truly appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your, uh, your generosity and your kind words, man. It's, uh, there's, it's just, it's, it's humbling to, to hear that. And I'm, I'm just like you, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just like you. And um, I think that that's the only way we all get better is to treat each other right and welcome everybody in. So 
Um, I appreciate you again for having me on and thank you for your generosity. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Love you, brother. I love you too, man. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.